0: Hello and welcome once again to Off the Shelf with Phil and Dave. I'm Phil, and this week we have, coming off of Dave's shelf, uh, coincidentally actually both of our shelves, uh, 2020's by Christopher Nolan. Dave, how are you doing, buddy? Thank you uh, for uh, presenting us this uh, challenging film this week, and uh, I have to ask, of course, beyond the challenge, uh, why this movie, and uh, why
1: now? Yeah, no particular reason. So, no, really, actually, it was just, uh, I knew you had it on your shelf. I knew we'd watched it once before, and as a lot of Nolan films are worthy of a rewatch. This one's certainly probably the most required movie of his to watch a minimum of 10 times to figure out, uh, making Inception look like quite a simple film. Um, But no no real like specific reason. I just kinda of popped in my head. It's like, ah, oh, you know, we, we, we just got it on yeah, we both bought it on, on 4K. It's like, oh, you know, it's it's good. it looks gorgeous, uh, probably some good sound, and definitely something that needs to be watched again. So I figured why not? Let's just sure. do have it. you
0: given have you given any thought to the possibility? I'm just saying it's a possibility that someone came back in time, incepted the idea into your brain and then went on with his life and only to sort of have you in this moment play it out like exactly how he envisioned. Did you and yourself go back with an idea that we should watch Tenet and get Leo to incept it into your brain, and here we are playing it out? Like, are we just going through the motions here? I think you're giving me way too much credit for <laughs> something there. I think this movie ends up giving us all too much credit for actually... Uh, both either knowing what it's about or, secondly, maybe caring enough to dig in and dig in and dig in and dig in and again.
1: Yeah, so it's certainly good. Again, another reason why I picked it, probably, because it would be a good movie to kind of discuss. I think we both watched it the first time not really knowing what just happened for two hours, uh, understanding what 8% of the film. Um, <laughs> and I thought, again, what a, what a good movie to discuss. And, you know, this see what we can get out of it a second time and uh, yeah. to hear your opinions, your thoughts and uh, around uh, the, cho- the story choices. Uh, and I think the biggest question is, is, is this a movie that, um, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? And uh, what I mean by that is the filmmaking magic to make this movie, obviously using, you know, backwards film and things like that. Mm-hmm, did mm-hmm. the story okay so let me do a story so i can do those things or here's the story now how do i do it through the film like you know which one was his first kind of thought like oh this be kind of cool to do let me stick a story in here so i can do it uh so that's a question i have and do you have any thoughts around that
0: well i think you know i think that's a it's a reasonable question it's one of the first ones we've had here in 40 weeks of this podcast so i'm <laughs> proud of you for, uh <laughs> <laughs> for finally putting one together here. Um, you know, i th- I think, uh, I think that's I think that's a reasonable question. You know, one of the one of the things when I watch, particularly this movie, I think it was most evident for me in this movie. Um, but throughout Christopher Nolan's career, and I think ultimately we're going to end up spending a little bit of time anyway on on his sort of uh, entire sort of filmography. But I think so at absolutely. the end of the day, if you put his movies into you know, some sort of box, which which is obviously not not advised. But in general, I would say, you know, it's like a man that's clearly, on some level, obsessed with time. Uh, both in a in a it seems both in a in a sort of uh, a personal, uh, um, uh, let's say, in the general and in the specifics of movies. Uh, which is to say that you know some of the things that he does, like if you look at a movie like Memento, right? Like it's obviously structured in a way that plays with time and movies are one of the, you know, the, the sort of the, you know, uh, are one of the art forms that allow you to really play with time, you know, like, uh, you can write a novel and each chapter be a different year and not really reveal that over time. And with, you know, the ability of obviously editing and so forth, when it comes to movies, you have an ability to kind of cross cut and put things together. And, you know, in television, obviously, uh, you know, big hit these days is, a. Uh, you know, that show, This Is Us, and that plays with timelines, and at first you're not really sure where or who and when you are. Um, And I think this, if you look at his career, stuff like that, obviously Interstellar, Inception's another one, Dunkirk, like a guy that's just got a career uh, where not just the filmmaking is sort of obsessed with time, but it seems to me all the writing, the storytelling, every little piece of it sort of always comes down to it. So I think maybe as he continues deeper or trying to dive deeper into time and what it means and what you can do with it, I think probably that the idea came to him. This is the story I want to tell, but probably pretty short. And I think, you know, he's a caliber of filmmaker uh, that clearly wants to challenge not just himself, but, but his audience, I think. And so as a result, I do think that it probably was the idea first, But I think right after that, it was, you know, how can I develop a story to, or how can I develop the tools, the filmmaking style, the so forth to tell this story? Because he's been playing with both things really since he, you know, for, you know, 20 years. I think Memento came out in like 20, in 2001, you know? So for that, for that 20 years-ish, I think he's trying to, to, to sort of solve that puzzle of time. Uh, And my,
1: my question is, is, for this to, to make these scripts and these ideas how does he have the time <laughs> i mean <laughs> like to come up with like i would think like i don't understand it and mm-hmm. i don't expect and i know lots of people don't understand it doesn't matter how intelligent you are there'll be certain levels of understanding of this film and i'm i'm consider myself and we're somewhere lost. no uh, <laughs> we're somewhere in the middle with a with sure. level of understanding with, uh, but he must understand it and how much times it take for him to figure all this out? That's what makes sense, or we, or does he do it in a way where we just we make it make sense? I don't know. Like there's six versions of of Neil, and there's four versions of this person. One guy's going this way, one guy's going that way. Uh,
0: yeah, I used to watch movies. I used to watch movies with complicated or convoluted or difficult, let's say, timelines, or you know, where I think to myself a little bit like. Uh, just an example, one of the sort of more, um, you know, 20 whatever years ago, the idea of like a pulp fiction comes out. And one of the things that people like about that movie is that it is structured out of sequence. And so, you know, it kind of wraps over onto itself. You know, they're in the diner at the beginning and then they end up sort of at the diner halfway later. And you're just like, oh, what? Oh, no, that's the same. You know, like you kind of get it from a different angle, so on and so forth. But I think that to myself, like I looked at that movie even at the time and certainly in hindsight that think, you know, this was probably a linear narrative that the editing played it differently. You know what I mean? Like where, where it was sort of written and shot and maybe originally conceived as a straight narrative story, a to Z, straight line. And then maybe after the, the. I'm only hypothesizing, you know, but maybe, you know, throughout the, the, the writing process or the shooting process or certainly the editing process, maybe it comes to them, oh, we're gonna actually, we're gonna play around a little bit, you know, and kind of have a little, I don't wanna say fun, because it kind of diminishes the, the, the choice around, but you're gonna tinker, you're, you're gonna tweak uh, um, the film. And, and then and as a result, you kind of get this, you know, kind of a, a little bit of a, an off-putting kind of uh, 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 story this obviously is not that, you know, I think conceptually this was designed to be exactly how it is. You know, I don't think, I don't think Memento was ever written or had any intention of being A to Z, right? Like it it was designed from, from the idea that this, you know, this time is built in. Same thing with Inception. I think this is just how this filmmaker thinks and sort of goes at the stories he wants to tell. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I would suggest that this movie, you know, is really a lot about time specifically. I don't know that his other movies are specifically about time. You know, you're sort of making memento and it's sort of a you know a bit of like a revenge thriller, you know, but you're, mm-hmm. you're creating it around the concept of time, right? And you're like Inception is a bit of like a you know, a, a global like espionage, you know, heist movie, you know, whatever like and but you're putting it in this like, yeah, but we're going to time We're going to fuck with the timeline, you know, and, and, and make it uh, take it from a different angle. Right. Dunkirk is ultimately, it's a war movie from, you know, at its core. Right. But like, but the Mm -hmm. editing and the, and the, and the changing of the timelines just puts a different, uh, a different veneer, let's say on, on a story that we already know. And I think this one is somewhat similar. This is effectively, you know, and I've never watched a Bond movie in its entirety, but I could not help myself in watching this thinking that this is a Bond movie you know it's really stylish it's really kind of opulent rich people mm-hmm. it's gadgetry you know it's it's a it's a you know a cool suave dude you know and a, and a, and a and a millionaire uh, a bad guy you know and like some some big uh, action set pieces you know so to me like that was always what what a bond movie uh, was to me which coincidentally mm-hmm. is why I've never watched one because i thought that to me is boring and Um, or at least I I perceived it to be boring. I was like, I don't really like an action movie. It's not really my type of movie. I don't really care for that type of, you know, I've never gotten into that genre and never had any urge to watch a Bond movie. This feels like a movie that is a Bond movie, maybe at its core, but I was not bored by it, right? I was confused by it. I was puzzled by it. You know, I was, uh, uh, you know, thrown off by it, let's say. Uh, And in some cases, maybe even a little turned off by it. But I was not really bored with it. And I kind of ended up kind of getting into the overall. And I think that's a product of the fact that it was elevated out of the Bond movie predictability by the time and the shots and the way in which that sort of manifested itself. Does that make sense? I'm not sure if I'm articulating, but it just feels like it's elevated versions by messing with the time. The genres he works in seem to be elevated out of the the usual. And I think that is a mark of an interesting filmmaker, though. I think maybe it's getting a little, this might be a little too much downfield, if that makes sense. Mm.
1: James Bond movie on crack or some sort of drug. Some other people did make some comparisons to to this movie, to James Bond movies. And I must say, I am a James Bond fan, uh, not hardcore. Like I haven't kind of a, of the fan of what I've been exposed to at my, during, um, my current time, like I didn't, I didn't see any any of the movies before Pierce Bronson, because it wasn't. Uh, so I didn't go back and watch them. I'm not that level of fan, but I'm a big Daniel Craig, uh, Hera fan for the most part. Yeah. Sure, really, really enjoy him. I, but I'm also a big fan of Daniel Craig. I just think he just has that. I like the rugged kind of uh, James Bond versus the suave ladies man that, that Pierce Bronson brought to the to the table. And not that I did enjoy that some of the Pierce Bronson ones, I did, but. I definitely got into Daniel Craig, but even even the Daniel Craig Bond films, I didn't really feel were James Bond films. So uh, again, so that's maybe well, the reason why I didn't really associate this with Bond move like a Bond because the Bonds I've seen, I don't really associate as Bond movies because uh, they got uh, a little less gadgetry. Though they kind of brought it back a little bit. It's kind of uh, okay. uh, and Same as Mission Impossible too. I guess you can kind of go up the down that road too um, a little bit as well. Uh, you know, um, but you're right with, with a lot of things you said, I mean uh, this, I mean these movies that, uh, Nolan and I do want to just kind of say one thing about time, if if you can give me a minute uh, <laughs> <laughs> is I remember when I was young, and probably early teens or so, watching the Back to the Future series, which is a very good movie that kind of plays with time, in Certainly. more of a kind of funny way, uh, not comedically funny, but not too serious of course but serious sure. at the same time and i was so confused with the second one the first yeah. time i watched it back to the future 2 i'm like this i don't get it i totally didn't get it and
0: yeah.
1: watching it now it's like it's either, it's very simple to follow at this point right the alternate uh, 1985 caused by by biff going back and changing so you know it all makes sense but i mean that I don't think I'll end or ever understand this movie. I've done some reading about it. Cause I mean, I've seen the movie. There's no spoiler. alerts. I kind of, I know what's going on. I kind of just want to fill some holes so I don't have to watch it 43 times. So, <laughs> and I guess it begs the question is, um, is it a film? Is it a good film? I think is the biggest question. We can compare it to other genres, other types of movies and such like that. But, on its own, and I mean, I think we both are fans of the filmmaker. Uh, yep. I think Interstellar is one of my favorite movies. Inter- Inception, I love. Uh, I watched Momentum with-, Momentum with you. I enjoyed it. Um, Dunkirk, I enjoyed. Probably watch that again sometime soon. Um, mm-hmm. Batman, some of them I didn't like originally, kind of. Eh. And then when I rewatched them, I thought, you know, this it was it was good. It was I enjoyed them for the most part. So there's not really much he's put out there. Uh, that I don't like. And I like a little bit of, not maybe not to this level, uh, but Inception, uh, especially with the soundtrack that he can put together, um, Interstellar, it, it tickles my sci-fi, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I, I get that. And I like Matthew and it. I like the, the, the actors that he gets in it. And it's pretty safe to say he goes back to the well uh, with a few of his actors. And, and I don't have an issue with that at, at all. I was surprised not to see Tom Hardy in this, uh, but we do see a, a few guys that were in uh, Inception, and I like seeing Pattinson. Um, not a, a big fan; I haven't seen him in a lot of movies, but I, I have. A, uh, I know I, I kind of like him. I don't know why. I always had this like i have never seen Twilight, but I've seen a couple other movies with him in it. I don't remember when. I think yeah. it was a movie that I oddly enjoyed and wasn't really expecting to enjoy. Uh, but this guy, you know, has the guy, uh, even one of the smaller roles I've seen. Um, I believe it's the Indian actor who was on the boat at the end, uh, Himesh Patel. He's, uh, you, yeah. he, I think, believe he was in Inception, of course, Michael Caine. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, in, been in, uh, in
1: uh, many, many Christopher Nolan, many, yeah, he's in a lot, he's in like Interstellar, he's in Inception, he's uh, in this, so prestige, yep. Yeah, now this movie I didn't really understand what Michael Caine was saying, and I love Michael Caine, but I'm not sure if he had had a stroke a few weeks prior to this film. But I, I think I find him as he's gotten older, his accents maybe for me has gotten thicker or something. Um, but uh, I didn't really quite. But he's same. He plays almost the exact character he did in Inception. Mm-hmm. So he, it's it's just kind of a, a shout out or uh, I'm buddies with you. This you're going to be. I love again. I like Michael Caine.
0: Let's just, let's be clear about that. Uh, oh, I think he's I, great. And I think, you know, I like that, that Nolan's got this troop of actors. I mean, I think, you know, ultimately, you know, I think he's he's a phenomenal filmmaker. You know, at, at its core, you know, regardless of the, the uh, connective tissue of the movies, right, whether I loved The Prestige or didn't, you know, or whether I loved this or didn't, or whether I loved any of the movies, you cannot... I cannot disregard the craft that these movies are made with. You know, the care, the level of detail, the specificity of it, the scope of it, the performances. You know, he, you know, not necessarily like pop off the screen to me, particularly in this movie, but even in Inception, right? Big cast, but I couldn't like give you, five lines in inception right it's just like it's a it's a he makes these movies that are like total experiences where Mm -hmm. you know i tend to when watching a movie look at each layer let's say you know so like i'm i'm trying i watch movies i get interested into performance or writing clever lines or shots or you know whatever the case may be but like each sort of uh, quadrant or each piece of the overall puzzle. And what I find with his movies, maybe more than than most, is it's an onslaught in, in, in a great way, but it's like I couldn't really parse out anything because they all seem to be of a piece in that you know there's not a performance I could tell you. I couldn't say that you know Washington as the protagonist was really good in X scene or really delivered the goods in this moment. <laughs> Right. And yeah. same thing with Pattison and same thing with Patel or any of the actors, even, you know, nobody like has the moment to shine. Right. Even Branna, other than I think he's a little hammy at times, but like mm-hmm. n- nobody in this movie, like as a performer, like, ooh, that's the moment. I'm going to write that in my notes. I have like so yes. few notes. I have so few notes for this movie because ultimately it's a lot of just like it's all just sort of happening. You know, and no line sticks out again, no scene specifically really sticks out. There's no Mm -hmm. overall uh, or like something to pinpoint and say, like, let's talk about that moment. You know, when we talked uh, last week around Almost Famous, you know, it's like, let's talk about Topeka for 20 minutes because that, (laughs) you know, that has great performances and great lines, and great shots and great this and great that. You know, like it's it's a it's it's a moment we can kind of look at and go, yes, this is filmmaking. This is this. This is that. And this movie, I think is such a, I don't want to call it a blur because again, that it diminishes the work that's being done, but it's all Mm -hmm. so grand and heightened and specific that I couldn't tell you again, like a great line or a great moment. There's a couple of lines I like the end and so forth we can, we can talk about, but like, I just, it's, it's all just like so much of itself in a way that I can't pick anything apart. It's all so specific.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Again, Again, no big, major, awesome performances if they're all just good and all just uh, flowed. But one thing I do mm-hmm. want to ask you with a, kind of a style they, they did for a bit of the movie, I think it was just for one section of the movie, not for long, but I noticed, I noticed it the first time, I noticed it the second time, and most other movies do it as well. And I want, I want your opinion How what you think of when they do this is when they're telling a story while it's getting acted out, act, you know? So, it's how this is how we're going to do it. Uh, I, I think Mission Apostles probably done it. They're explaining how they're going to break in and do that, and at the same time, they're cutting to those scenes of them actually doing it.
0: Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, like, in Ocean's 11, I think, I'm sure does it right. Like, we're going to need this, we're going to get in there, right? Uh, yeah, something like yeah. Uh, Enemy of the State, even like they need a dum dumb and an overrod and a you know, whatever. <laughs> I don't remember the specifics, but anyway, yeah, you know, I think, um. I love it. I think it's great. I love in those movies we just talked about. I love the like gathering the team montages or segments. I, I don't mind the narration that's sort of like we're going to need to blow up the or the vault or they're trying to describe the vault as the most, you know, advanced vault you've ever seen in your life. And then we see it on the screen like that all stuff. I like I, I, that's the power. That's the great thing about movies is that you're able to narrate and i'm not a big fan of narration i don't want it to sort of tell me the whole story you know um or so much exposition that it becomes bland and and a little dry and boring and so forth but i don't mind in the in the in the you know used sparsely you know where where you can you connect some of the dots and and have you know somebody i don't mind it basically the short answer i really like it i I like the setting up of a heist you know it does the same inception and I like the the setup of the again gathering game and those kinds of things and cutting away. I, I think it's it's great editing. Personally, I think it's great. Yeah, I think it's
1: good for tempo. It offers a good tempo, yeah. and it also
0: can kind of tell
1: you something. You can kind of uh, make the movie a little bit shorter in, in some ways without losing some of it, where you can kind of kind of put it together instead of having some scenes where it might drag out a little bit longer. Um, but by doing this it kind of, I don't know. I, I do like the tempo. I don't like it like a, an always go-to and I wouldn't want to see it all the time, but uh, I recognize it. And I was like, okay, I, I like, I, I do. I do like, it. I've seen it in other movies and uh, I've never
0: not liked it. So yeah, I agree. I just, I'm the same with you. I think it's, I think it's totally effective. I think, you know, again, used yeah. in certain circumstances. Again, I don't like movies with, I shouldn't say I don't like, there are many movies that I find the narration off-putting and takes me out Mm -hmm. of the movie um but when it's used like this and in like some of the other movies we just talked about i think it's a really effective way to tell that story speed things along a little bit again elevate some of what's happening um you get the ability to say something like oh my gosh i'm so nervous about this vault and you see this vault, like oh shoot like you know whereas if you just show the guy walk up to the vault he's not going to say, I'm so scared of the, you know or like, you know what I mean? Like, so it does sort of allow for a, a confluence of emotion or it's a little backstory, a little filling of a, of a dot here and there. So I, I, I think it's great.
1: Let me ask you this too. Another question is, did you ever feel that at any point you actually did understand the film?
0: You know, what's really funny about it is I find like very early on, they say something to the effect of like, this is what inversion is. And I remember thinking the second time now, this, this, or this, this most recent watch, thinking, oh, like they tell you already? You know, like, and, and thinking, because <laughs> I'd only watched this the one other time. And, you know, I threw a little Inception in, and I always try and honor uh, the, the, the memory of Inception by falling asleep as often as I can, <laughs> uh, by nodding uh, <laughs> throughout uh, every, you know, any movie uh, as my little nod to Nolan. So, um, So I remember just sort of being struck at this moment thinking, oh, like they explain it right away, you know, like sort of, well, what the hell did I have so much trouble with last time kind of thing? You know, they just explained it. Yeah, it's going backwards in time and you stand still and the bullet does its thing, you are like, okay, I get this. Um, And then like, it just starts to sort of fall apart for me mentally anyway, when it sort of reverses and reverses and reverses on itself you know, mm-hmm. where it's like, I can I, so I'm, I mean, I'm with it in that moment. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. The bullets going through time stands right? Like, don't, you know, that I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm in, I get this. And then pretty quickly, I couldn't tell you the exact moment, but uh, pretty quickly it, it overlaps me, you know, where it's sort of, okay, wait a minute. So he's come back three times now to do this, you know, like he's left the coin behind the, the, you know, the key and the rock behind the door because the, you know, and all that sort of stuff where it's like, okay, wait a minute you know, who's 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 going forward, who's going backwards, and how do you keep coming backwards and forwards, you know, this and that. So I, I definitely got off the rails pretty quick. But I'd say for about six or seven minutes, yeah, I know what's up. <laughs> Can't everyone just stand still for a sec? <laughs> am, I, <laughs> am I right? It's so weird. And that's another factor, like, I find this movie confounding, because they do spend a lot of time explaining what is happening. And I am surprised uh, a, as a, as a filmmaker That you would sort of choose to have So much exposition In general um, And also surprised That I still, even with that Couldn't really <laughs> grasp all of it You know, but like there is so many chunks Of this movie that are really just people Telling you what they're doing And like how it's happening And that whole scene in the middle with the turnstile And the pincer and the, right Like it's all being explained but it's almost like over-explained, or it's so sort of muddled in the overall story that mm-hmm. as I'm hearing it, it's like not connecting almost, or it's sort of going over my head, or it's it's whatever it is. It's a real strange feeling to be watching a movie that explains to you at every turn what is happening. Like Inception has that scene as well, particularly when like Leo and. and you are doing their walk and you're sort of like you're the architect look what we're doing and you know all this kind of stuff but it's like I, and they you know explained it a couple of times in that movie as well I find and I'd like to watch Inception again and sort of give it another sort of viewing but my memories of it were like it was confusing but not confounding and I'm finding and when I watched this one that I was more confounded despite the fact that this has more time spent explaining what's happening it's a really strange, strange experience for someone yeah, that wants to do
1: it. Yeah, now you mentioned that they do spend some time explaining it. But one thing I do want to kind of point out with, with a couple of Nolan films is, and it just kind of, I don't know, it just sticks out to me. And it's like they do all this explaining of all this stuff, but the main thing that makes this all happen. Uh, the turnstile, I guess, it would be this movie. And then Inception it would be what puts them into that sleep. These are just things in the movie that we just kind of accept. You've, you have to be very accepting of, of a couple of things that Nolan does in his movie. Uh, like, how does this, like, they don't really explain a lot of how certain things work, like the main thing, but they explain <laughs> everything around it, uh, if that makes any sense. They do all this explain stuff like, well, but. How does this, like, actually work? Like, how, how come there's... Why is there a turnstile here? Like, what is, like, like, what is this? Like, it, it's like a, a little thing you go to and there's these... They go into places because they can't breathe. And when they're, when they, when they're in the wrong other side that they're not supposed to be on, the unnatural side going backwards, you yeah. have to wear oxygen masks. Uh, yeah, they can go into these little rooms where they don't have to wear one. And it, it doesn't seem that sealed It just seems like this kind of, you know, plasticky kind of covering, like a tent outside to keep you out of the rain. I mean,
0: I I just—I always got the impression when watching that, I got the impression actually that that, you know, bunker type of situation, and Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so I didn't—I felt like that was—I bought that, let's say, and I think you know, any movie. You know, I think at some level, particularly movies like this, but any science fiction movie or any movie that sort of takes a heightened or different sort of path asks the audience to join them anyway. You know, uh, yeah. you know, watch a movie like uh, The Martian as, a, as an example of just like a pretty, you know, you have to just go with that. Right. Whether that's accurate or not is sort of secondary. Uh, um Because you just want to, you know, it's the story you're watching. It's what you're dealing with, right? And I think to this one, I think, and maybe what helps me maybe take the larger leap is all the rest of it seems so specifically thought out and so detailed and expository and, you know, explained and and defined and, you know, all that sort of stuff that maybe it's sort of like, well, if everything else seems to make sense, you know, uh, uh, then I have to trust that the other one will as well. Right, and I think, I mean, ultimately, Sator is going back in time to kind of keep perpetually, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, going back to sort of cause the demise of the, of the world and search for these pieces of the algorithm and put it all together and so on. And the tenant group uh, is going back, and you know, so I guess, you know, who built the, the turnstile? My guess is that it's Sator, but again, I, I couldn't tell you specifically because. It, it's all sometimes the language or the diet, like the uh, ex- the expository scenes, are so much sometimes, and like I don't really know what's happening. I heard it all. I listened. I watched, but <laughs> you know, and again, this goes down to like again, not even taking notes or that many because I just it's just it's too much. Like it's kind of just coming at, and like, oh shit, I can't write this whole paragraph, like this, you know, this four-page scene, you know, uh, because it's all seemingly relevant, but I don't want to talk about of one four page scene per hour you know so it becomes a, a challenge to kind of keep up with it um, but I agree in that it is a little not everything gets so specifically explained but so many little things do that you maybe buy into the larger ones I think that that's true of inception as well where it's like well this is well, or it's like you know sometimes you know you're at you're at a dinner party or something you know and like or any any instance and someone just speaks confidently someone asks a question like oh no no, no that is this this and this And you're like, well, I don't know the answer, but that sounded good. Like, you know, that sounded like this guy knew what was up or like that. She made Mm -hmm. sense, you know, you just kind of ride with it. You're like, yeah, that makes sense. I'll take it. Uh, So maybe that's sort of how it's defined too. like this filmmaking is so on point. It's so, uh, uh, so quality or like so detailed. Or again, the shots, you know, the sound and all the sort of uh, specifics of it are so great that you know, you're sort of watching, you're just going like, "Well, yeah, the guy is making a movie. I buy it. Like, I'll eat anything this guy tells me. You know, because it's told seemingly with such confidence. You know, and there are directors that <clears throat> that I have watched that that you know, one of my favorites, as you know, is is Stanley Kubrick, and that's another director that that makes very uh, a, a wide variety of movies, meaning genres, different genres, uh, often mm-hmm. with uh, sometimes similar themes. Um, And is incredibly detailed and the craft is impeccable and like, you know, all of those sort of things. And so, you know, and you watch a movie as an example of like the shining, which doesn't give you a lot of answers either. And you just kind of go like, well, I may not know everything that happened in this movie, but I know that two hours later I liked it, you know, that I was engaged by it or I was curious about it or I was fascinated by it or, you know, I was emotionally invested on certain levels at different times. And I I was scared or I was this and that. And I think this movie and his career is somewhat similar in that. Again, I watched this movie and go, I couldn't tell you really what it's about. (laughs) Right. And I couldn't really give you, as we just talked about, like, Oh, that scene is really great. Or that scene is really great. Or I love the way they did that. Or even that the score is particularly memorable or, you know, any little piece of it, uh, but yet at two hours and whatever, 30 minutes of movie time now, granted, maybe it could be shaved. You know, I certainly would think that, you know, it could probably lose a few minutes here and there, but generally speaking, I'm like, well, that was a completely engaging two hours and 40 minutes. Even if at the end of it, I go like, I don't know what the fuck happened, but it was really good to like, it was exciting and interesting and captivating and, you know, and I'm thinking about it I'm wondering, you know, whatever. So like to me from a pill making perspective, like, it's a job well done, you know, uh, whether the story makes a hundred percent sense or, or whatever, it's almost secondary to the presentation of the movie, you know, uh, uh, on some level. And that's why I said, like as a filmmaker, the guy is, it's really almost untouchable, you know, in the current, uh, in the current marketplace. I think he just, the movies he puts out, it's astonishing to me as well. Like, you know, you can make a, a hundred million dollar Marvel movie, because everybody knows Captain America or everybody knows Iron Man, right? Like their IP, you're going into Marvel, you're going into Disney, you know, like these kind of big, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, characters or IP that have been around for decades, you know? So those are the movies that get made predominantly, right? Those are your summer blockbusters, right? And yet here it is, Chris Nolan, you know, making a $200 million or whatever the movie, you know, whatever the budget was like monstrosity of a movie, like just this huge, big, big movie pushing it over and over again. Cause he wants to get it played in movie theaters. Like doesn't want it on home video. doesn't want it on HBO max, you know, shoots in IMAX. One of the few directors that do that, right. Everything is about the scope, the the craft of the film, the, the presentation of it really, really passionate about those kinds of things. Uh, so it's just a, a really, a really unique singular voice. And I kind of lost the thread a little bit, but, but he he's impressive in all of those manners, even if the movie sometimes like, yeah, it's good. It was good. I liked it. But the ability to get that kind of budget to tell a story like this with no real star names uh, is impressive to me. And, and considering other directors are doing Marvel movies and so forth. This is, like a bond movie, but without the bond. And I think that's interesting because the bond movie is going to make a certain amount of money based just on the fact that it's a double Oh seven bond movie, or it's got mm-hmm. Daniel Craig, this huge celebrity superstar guy. This movie has nobody in it, right? Like Denzel Washington's son, who's talented. He's great in black Klansman, you know, like he's a good actor, right. And, and patents you know, fine in twilight. I agree with you in that. I think he's probably got, uh, I think he's made his money, uh, off of, uh, you know, that Twilight movies that Mm -hmm. he can maybe now be a little bit choosier and work with interesting directors, right? Whether it be Christopher Nolan here, he's working with uh, Matthew Vaughn on on, uh, the Batman, right? He's doing, uh, he did a couple of movies with David David Cronenberg, right? Cosmopolis and a few others. So, and a map of the map to the stars. So. You know, a guy that now is like, well, I made my money doing the big, you know, uh uh, you know, studio blockbuster thing. Maybe I'll now wanna work with some more interesting directors. So I think he's got an ability. I think he's pretty good in this movie and uh and has a you know a good career ahead of him. Um, but again, that's not a movie that you give, you know, a two hundred million dollar budget to, right? But somehow no one just by virtue of being such a specific filmmaker gets that kind of money. I'm impressed by. It.
1: Well, I think a couple of things I wanna say about that is what we talk about, we're Marvel movie gets, you know, because it's Marvel and then you get um, movies that have specific, uh, like James Bond, like you mentioned, you get certain people. Nolan is that person I think himself. Like, I watch a Nolan movie film because of, because of Nolan. Uh, and the, the couple guys that he reuses is just to kind of help uh, kind of just an added bonus for me because I am a big Tom Hardy fan. So, again, these aren't yes. huge, huge names, but I'm watching because I'm watching every Nolan film that comes out from, like, that's 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 me. That's a uh, I'm watching every James Bond movie comes out, but it's not because I don't I have no idea who directed half of the James Bond uh, movies. I don't know. I can't tell you one director. Uh, I, I would I would know it if you mentioned it and it would come back to me. Sure. But I can't tell you who directed any of the of the Daniel Craig James Bond movies. But I love James Bond. I love Daniel Craig. So I'm going to watch it. So, yeah. And I think one thing of what I would really like about Nolan and one thing, just to kind of talk about what we were talking about earlier, is I still want to know what that machine, how the machine works in Inception. I still want to know. I still buy it. All. I buy the whole film. But I want to know how, how that machine works mm-hmm. and the whole thing works. And that's I the same thing. I think we'll figure it the next time we watch it. <laughs> I mean, maybe. No, we won't. <laughs> no, we, we won't. Uh, <laughs> but one thing that really impresses me with Nolan and his choices is that uh, that 747 airplane into the hangar is all real. Uh, there's no cgi yeah Uh, and i got a lot of respect for a filmmaker who if he can will do his best to not use cgi or any like those visual effects uh Mm -hmm. to make it work and yes it costs a lot of money and and, and things like that but you can tell i don't care you can tell that that i mean when i first saw i'm like i think that's i don't think there's any visual effects to this i'm like i think this is real i mean it's not a blow your socks off scene necessarily but it still kind of stands out of, of a big thing that's happening that you feel like this is real and I got a lot of kudos to him for for doing that he continues to do that uh, I think in a lot of his films I'm sure interstellar was quite a challenge uh, in that movie and I'm sure obviously there's some visual effects uh, I know I don't doubt but but even then I'm sure there's scenes that he could have used visual effects and CGI where he has made of choice not to. And I, I think that's another reason that allows me to just appreciate him as a filmmaker. He's, he's creative. He takes risks, I think, which is a big thing. Uh, and he works well with what the actors he's given. Uh, again, he's had he, he, big names. will work with them. I think Leonardo DiCaprio is a pretty big name. Uh, oh, for sure.
0: But you're right. He's got that kind of really- credibility. He can, yeah. and I think he can get the studio. We just said, like, he can get the budget yeah. that says, I'm going to do this practically. I need a 757, and I need a landing strip, I need a building, and I'm going to destroy all of it. And it's all going to be real. And, you know, he was a guy that for a long time just refused to shoot on digital. He mm-hmm. was like, I want to make my movies. I'm a filmmaker. I'm going to shoot my film on film. Like, I'm, that's just how it is. So, and a guy that has now, again, had such the clout to be able to do it. So, I respect the hell out of a lot of. Of who and what he is i agree with you 100 i think he's just that type of filmmaker and i i, I agree that it's it, like it those things matter right when it when it's not cg it matters i just recently watched a movie uh, uh free guy and there is so much cg in that movie and among many others right that it becomes really upsetting like it just is becoming uh it's a blur you know to me it's it's too much right whereas this movie has the patience to uh, it's not a blur. When that plane is hidden, it's every moment counts because it's real, right? And you don't have to fake it and it doesn't look cheap or cheesy or cartoony or what have you. And the movie I just watched was was so much on the other side of that that it became like a blur and uh, certain Marvel movies are the same. So I agree with you 100%. And
1: he doesn't use Atmos either. Uh, I, I'm like, why is he using my Atmos? <laughs> <laughs> Can't win but- them all. <laughs> but, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the sound's coming out of all my speakers. I'm a happy camper, you know? Uh, it's well, funny because I, I was I
0: like,
1: think, yeah, I was just going to say, up. I was kind of like listening to you. I was like, it's not that loud. And like I go back, it's like, wait, it's not coming out of my back speakers. Like, I know he doesn't use Atmos, but that doesn't mean my back speakers don't. Like, I, they should still get some sound. I'm confused, right? I mean, you know me, I'm a tinker, yeah. twe- tweaker. Or tweaker. Uh. And it turns out my back right speaker was actually unplugged at the, like it had come off like the wire on the back of the receiver. Uh, so, so this gave me an opportunity to fix that and, and enjoy it. And of course there is sound coming out of it, not allowed necessarily sound, but just chatter in the background at the restaurant scene. I noticed that uh, things like that. So he's not an Atmos guy, but he still makes a fine uh, sounding movie. And again, let's just talk about the sound briefly is, is, how did you feel about the sound in this one? I mean, I'm a huge Interstellar soundtrack, Love Inception soundtrack, Dunkirk. I enjoyed too, uh, just the sound, just the general sound in that. This one is probably not even close to those ones. I, from in my opinion, but not that I didn't like it. It was, it was just different. Um, how how was your feel? How
0: do you feel about it? Well, I watched it pretty cranked up, and you know, ultimately, I think we. I mean, we, we're kind of believer in the point at this point, but I think. He is so technically sound a filmmaker that I think the soundscape and the sound design and all of the pieces of the sound are fantastic. Now, this may be not the most robust. I mean, I think there's probably elements that you could take from Inception or even Interstellar or Dunkirk, certainly. Those war scenes obviously allow for them to really kind of come out. Uh, but again, the, the technical prowess of the, 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 the craft again, uh, of his movies is incredible. And so with my, uh, speaker set up, you know, uh, it sounded clear, precise, you know, and, uh, and really, uh, immersive. So while the, ab- the, the most piece obviously is lacking and, and I, I do, you know, respect the idea of that, uh, a solid five, one mix or, or, or seven, two, whatever you, uh, uh, you know, goes a long way for me and, and, uh, you know, he continues to put out this, you know, these great sensory experiences. You know, I think it's it's the same with your sort of visual, right? Like shooting those scenes in IMAX frame on mm-hmm. the sort of, you know, on the water, like the big expanse, even the opening sequence in the, in the opera house in Kiev and, you know, just the, you know, the size and the scope of it. Right. So again, from a visual perspective, you're just kind of a, an onslaught of, Beauty, you know, on some levels, you know, like again, out on the water, you're the expanse of it, the opulence of it, the scope of it, you know, and again, Inception, some of those scenes and sequences, right? It's just like, holy shit! Like you're just sort of a, 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 a feast for the eyes, you know. And then you get into the sound, and you're like, well, shoot, I'm I'm in it, you know, I'm surrounded by it, I'm feeling it, I'm hearing it. All the pieces come together from a technical perspective, which is why he's won or his films have won so many sort of technical Oscars, or certainly have been nominated for those technical Oscars because they're all just made with such precision it seems and this was no no different for me uh, maybe not the the most let's say uh, of his mm-hmm. uh, over, uber but but uh no denying right like that that each piece of this movie is is so uh uh high quality that it, it really it's it's
1: impeccable it's true i mean he uses like dts which is kind of it is it's definitely a, about the, they do different things to make the, the sound crisper and, and cleaner so it is definitely a good technology and he said he's very good at the technical things and i think i think when you have movies like an interstellar and inception you're raising the bar so high when it comes to to soundtrack that it's really tough and and, and that soundtrack what works for inception or Stellar isn't going to work necessarily for this movie right so yeah. it, it it's different things work for and this this what they did with this one works for this movie but I mean, I like Inception better as a movie. I like Interstellar better, so I think it kind of goes hand in hand uh, to why uh, you know the, why I like Inception more because the story is able to really match the the sound. And this again, the sound matches the story. I'm just not as as um, in it. Uh, you know as I was uh, on his, in some of the as other movies. So now I do want to talk about the opening scenes. I watched the opening scene. I didn't like it the first time the mm-hmm. opera scene, opera house scene. I kind of, yep. I felt like it kind of took me out of the movie right away. It wasn't what I expected. I, I don't know, really know what was going on and I don't like, and it's kind of like what you did in, in Batman, the third Batman with the, with the blowing up of the football field. It really yep. the, I walked out of the theater on that. I was. Just, I didn't like it, and it kind of did left me this little bit the same with this as well. The narrow hallways that were. I don't. Don't think they would even exist. I don't know. So again, I didn't. I. I said, well, let's watch this again and uh, and see how I like the beginning, uh, the opening sequence. And again, I didn't really like it. Uh, I like a lot of the, some other parts in the film. Uh, it just that I just wasn't a big fan. I don't. I can't really put a pinpoint to why. I didn't like the film I thought maybe because I, do, I don't like these big scenes where of terrorism with 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 human with, with innocent people I'm just it doesn't do it for me I'm not a big fan of that kind of choice I, I guess and that was kind of the same in the Batman right there was just all these innocent fans at a football game and the field starts blowing up and I don't know it's just not my choice of, of storytelling it tries to be too big for me but Uh, What are are your thoughts around just kind of how the movie starts out?
0: I thought it was uh, great. Uh, I like the scope of it. I like the size of it. I think it tells you the type of movie that you're in right away. I feel as immediately Christopher Nolan. Um, So for me, watching that scene, I mean, I don't, I don't, those things don't, as you described, like they don't really necessarily have an effect on me. Uh, right or wrong, uh, you know, I'm immune to it or whatever. So I look at it strictly from like a film perspective. And I'd love the scene in in, uh, in Batman as well. I, I, I like the sort of grand scenes of those. Uh, in particular, this one being so upfront right at the very beginning, I think it, it does set a tone for me. So I actually like it. I think, uh, again, practical effect, you know, uh, the reality of it, it gets, you know, I get that feeling right away. Uh, I like those narrow hallways. I've been to a couple of, uh, well, I went to the, like the Met in Toronto or in New York and, and, and uh, in, in Vancouver, there's another sort of opera house there and so forth. So uh, there are, you know, those are things, right? Like it's sort of how they look. I, I and this one's in, in like Norway or, or uh, so I'm not hundred uh, percent. Kiev, uh, you know, Kiev. Kiev sure. Uh, so like, I'm not positive that that's exactly, you know, whatever, but I believe that it's all practical, which is to say that it must exist because that it exists, you know? Um, but I liked it. I like the idea of the sort of you know the terrorist stuff. Like I do agree. Like it was a little bit, but this also helps is because it cuts so weirdly. You know, from from you know one scene to the next, and now you're in the middle of the sort of trains and you know this and that. So there is an element of sort of well, I'm a bit lost as to where we are and who we are and so forth. But just in terms of a kickstart to the movie, uh, I thought it was a great way to to, to kick it off. And I, I thought the action sequences, you know, Nolan's sequences are always a bit dodgy to me because they're they're sort of bizarrely simple despite being like really large uh so like Mm -hmm. this fight sequence and just some machine guns like it was a pretty straightforward kind of action sequence but maybe the scope and the size of where it is or how it's developed or how it's you know initiated elevates it a little bit to a point where it's a little more uh interesting to me but anyway so i liked it i thought it was a good way to kick it off
1: that's fine we're all entitled to our opinion Oh, for
0: sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, one's is there... right, one's wrong, but yeah, they're basically. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Can you pinpoint? Is there some a, a, a section of the movie that you enjoyed more than the other? That kind of stood out to you, like any of the action sequences, or just uh, anything that you kind of like? Oh, like that you watched now, watching it a second time. Yeah.
0: There's a few of them that I like, and again, I don't want to suggest that I like that I know what's happening in any of. <laughs> but i really liked the art theft i thought that was really great yes uh yeah. i like the sort of that the the sort of backwards fighting kind of happens in that scene it's sort mm-hmm. of as a the first time i really kind of noticed it maybe i like the sort of specificity of it and the sort of nature of how it unfolds and how they're sort of and then they go rush lie down right like and i like the sort of You've got 45 seconds to make all this happen, you know, and then have to reset like it never happened. Like those kinds of things I thought were great. And obviously coincides with the plane. So I thought that entire sequence was phenomenal. Um, And I just like, there's an element of, you know, again, I, I like the stuff when he's sort of going to Mumbai to talk to and they're sort of scaling the, you know, so some of those, the sort of set pieces I think are really engaging and, and pretty captivating. Um, I like the scene in the turnstile, but I don't know what it means. you know, like I, I don't, uh, you know, like I couldn't explain it, right? There's so much exposition there and someone's talking backwards and someone's there and trying to, you know, piece it together and explain the whole thing. And that is, it's engaging, you know, and, and visually appealing. And I like the sort of red and blue there to try, and you know, keep things somewhat uh, organized in, in the brain. Um, you know so i like all of those sort of bigger sequences some of the the smaller stuff uh you know the relationship with like the wife and the and 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 the kid and sator himself like those things don't really connect with me i don't really care too much about what's happening with that family uh to be honest uh, none of it really connected it's really like the protagonist's uh, story and everything mm-hmm. else around it just doesn't really like sator's obviously like the nuts of like the bad guy stuff. That's interesting to me enough that, you know, you have to have a bad guy and here's his reason and why, but with the kid and the, and the wife, like I just didn't really care too much, you know? Uh, damn it. Well, at what point did you realize that Neil is cat's son? I don't know. That's a, I think an internet theory. I don't know that it is actually true. Oh, Okay. so i don't know the truth is I, I i have no idea i never i never once thought that at all ever when i watched the well, two ever like the two times i've watched it i never thought of it and in doing just a little bit of like poking around uh to try and do a little bit of research on the movie uh, i read that that was sort of some one what some of the thoughts I, I never had that thought so i have no idea and i never investigated it because uh because i didn't sort of come to it and i didn't want to Read too many other things that people were thinking about the movie, so I never bothered to dive into it. So I, I never knew. Oh. I, I still. I didn't,
1: I didn't. I didn't know it either. And what I thought I was reading, I thought was how it was written. Anyway, it was written with. I don't. I don't. This is not what I think. This is what is fact. Oh. so okay. Maybe I to be careful. Careful where I read it. So because it it's maybe possible. it's possible.
0: I said I just I saw the headline as it were as I was trying to sort of look up uh, some other stuff about the movie, and I, I was like, you know, more like technical detail details that I was looking up, and that came up. But I, I, I just assume that Christopher Nolan isn't the type of director that, you know, didn't come out like an exception at the end of an inception and say, like, yeah, yeah, the top, it falls. Or like, oh, yeah, it's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he just doesn't explain things. So to me, that's, he, it, he he likely never said that that was the case. Otherwise, he would have made it clear in the movie to me. So because he likes an ambiguity to his movies, yeah. I suspect that that's somebody that watched it and went, hey, what if or what about or this might be. And maybe it is, you know, the idea. But I don't know for sure. I never thought about it personally when watching the movie. Oh, let's do some research. But it makes some sense. sense, you know. Sure, I'm I'm not willing to say it's it's like a useless theory. I just, I have never thought of it. Uh, other other
1: than the film being kind of obviously incredibly confusing, um, is there anything that uh, anything
0: that really jumps out to you that you didn't like? Uh, I think it's a little too long, mm-hmm. and I think because I don't particularly care about the family dynamic, mm-hmm. but. And I found that that some of those scenes were a little too overwrought, you know, I think overperformed. Yeah. I thought she, she was a little overmuch and I thought he was very much over sort of overdone uh, Kenneth Brana. So I think like he yeah. played the bad guy whispering, you know, and then like the sort of screaming and like some of those things. So I thought those two performances and the entire sort of family kids uh, subplot didn't really connect for me. I recognize that yeah. it's part of the overall and I don't necessarily want you to excise it. Like, you know, I think it has to be there, but it just didn't connect for me, you know? Um, yeah. And so all those scenes just didn't really ever, ever uh, put it together for me. So those, those ones are the, are the big ones. And then truthfully the end, you know, that sort of last sort of battle sequence that went on for, you know, whatever, 15 minutes, mm-hmm. twenty minutes, um, those big Epic battle sequences don't do much for me generally mm-hmm. so when i see big seas of people now again because of the nature of the type of filmmaker is i'm sure that most of those were real people doing real things and so forth um which is different than like again a marvel movie with like a thousand or like a lord of the rings you know when you got like a thousand cgi orcs coming at you like it means nothing um mm-hmm. i kind of buy that this was all like legitimate but it sort of dragged a little too long for me although uh, i really loved uh, some of the last uh, dialogue bits and so forth uh, between the two. Um, but as a whole, I was like 12, 15 minutes of that was a little much too. So those are a couple of things for me that didn't really cold hold. But if uh, I yourself, what, 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 do you, what do you take away there?
1: Um, a couple of things. That was one of them. It's like, I, I'm like, what are they shooting at? Like, I never, like, I, like I, I was confused to, and again, it's part of not really understanding it, but there's gunfire going on, but who's shooting at who? Who's the bad guy? They're just... They're all yeah. just two versions of good guys like I again there's this <laughs> you know so yeah I, I kind of like all this I'm thinking I'm, I'm going in I'm gonna, I'm gonna like it more this time because it's kind of uh, epic it kind of remind me a bit of the end of 1917 but then again uh, yeah I was I'm like again I was reminded that I don't really know what they're shooting at um, the other thing kind of I wasn't a big fan of is is the husband the the Sator, uh, such a control freak, such a, a, a terrible husband and everything. Yet the protagonist was given access to her pretty freely, like in the restaurant scene and a couple other scenes. Well, if he's such a control freak, why is this, how is this being allowed? Uh, so I thought there's kind of, a, I didn't quite, it wasn't quite consistent for me. That is how he felt versus what I was seeing on film. She seemed pretty much free to do whatever she wants, guys around, but it doesn't, I don't know. I just, that part just didn't quite, sit right with me, but I'm probably just kind of, uh, missing something over and a- analyzing uh, the situation. But, but again, it comes back to that part. Anyway, that uh, family dynamic that maybe, again, you didn't we're really big on either. So
0: Yeah, I think one of the challenges is like, you know, when movies like this kind of one of the things they have the ability of is just saying something like, well, it happened because it's supposed to happen because the guy came back from the future to make it happen. And that's why the past can happen because the future happened. Right. You sort of allow for all of these things because, well, someone came back to do it. You know, Back to the Future 2 kind of falls into the same kind of category at times. Right. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. he's not dead because in the future I knew you were dead. So I came back to the past before you got, you know, And you're like, okay, well. I guess. You know, like, then nothing matters because you can just fix everything yes. anyway. Yeah, so I think the movie kind well, of suffers a little bit from that. What, what did you think of the Priya character?
1: Obviously, the what happened at the very, like, at the end and the couple conversations they had. Um, what were your thoughts around that? How, did you like how they finished it off? Or did you like
0: how, that little twist and uh, I, I, like, I like the revelation of that. I liked all of their scenes, I like their scenes in Mumbai, I like the sort of the relief, you know, the sort of realization that she was re- kind of around the show. Uh, I yeah. like the, the the setup of that. I like the sort of like, this is the beginning of a, or this is the ending of a beautiful friendship. I like the sort of playoff of the Casablanca stuff with the protagonist and Neil. And so, I, I mm-hmm. mean, I, there's elements in there that I really think are like, um, you know, I really like, there's a couple of lines that stick out and I do enjoy that sort of sum up uh, for the, you know, the sort of, for a movie that is so kind of complex and convoluted, I find it actually kind of ends on a pretty good button, you know, like a pretty like, oh yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah that that makes sense to me, right? Even if all the (laughs) stuff beforehand doesn't necessarily, you know, Um, so I do like that a lot. I, I like the way it ends. Like I said, I like the last scenes where I'm at the beginning of our relationship and like, you're at the end, and we're going to have a good time. Trust me. You know, like that kind of dynamic, like I, got, I got excited about. Like, oh, yeah, okay, this is kind of neat. I dig it. Even though up until that point, I was like, yeah, well, I don't really get how it's all coming together, you know? So yeah. I think really I think, good think that
1: way. I think he's trying to do a time travel movie, but not doing time travel, you know, doing something different, something original, and sure. that's with the inversion and that. and I, I, I Kudos for him for, for trying to think outside the box. But um, what are your final th- final thoughts, and uh, what do you got for us next week, buddy?
0: Well, I mean, I think again, I I enjoyed this movie. There's not often the case, but it's just like the the craft is so so fantastic. I couldn't help but enjoy every frame of it, even if it's sort of a little bit convoluted and a bit of a mess on some level, a little too complicated. Um, So I I loved it, and and I'm I'm happy I own it. But I I, I liked it, I should say, and I'm looking forward to more watches. As for next week, I think uh, you know the kids are going back to school, so I think it's time uh, we go back to school. We're gonna we're gonna look at uh, John Hughes's uh, the breakfast club um next week oh, favorite meal of the day can't wait <laughs> fantastic we'll see you then folks <laughs> bye